Hey, good Shabbos, everyone. This week's Parsha is Parshas Re'eh, and I wanted to just send out a quick short Dvar Torah about Yerhani Dachas, which comes up in the 14th chapter of Deuteronomy. The Yerhani Dachas is a wayward city, and the halacha tells us that when an Yerhani Dachas happens, when there's a city that serves idolatry and all of its members serve idolatry, we actually have to kill that entire city and the person who started and instigated this Irhani Dachas actually has to die. We're even allowed to kill this person who tries instigating idolatry in a city well before he even does anything. The reason we have this din, this halacha, is because one person can make a tremendous impact on many people as we see by Irhani Dachas. So what we do is we have to kill him to stop him from doing such a thing. In this week's Torah in Yeshaya 54 and 55, we're told about the future desolation of Yerushalayim. Hashem promises the Jews that he's never going to bring the main Noach again. And many Mepharshim raise the question, which is, why is it called the main Noach? Why isn't it called the Mabel or, you know, the May Rishayim, the waters of the Rishayim? It's called the waters of Noach. Noach definitely wasn't the one that brought the, the waters of the Mabel. So why is it referenced as him? So many Mepharshim bring down that by Noach, Noach didn't stop the Mabel from happening, and he's heavily criticized for that. And because he didn't stop the Mabel from happening, it's as if he almost caused the Mabel itself. By Avraham, it's not called by Stom, the Ish Avraham. It's just called the Ish Stom. It's the fire of Stom. It's not called the fire of Avraham, though, that's for sure. And the question is, why by Avraham is it not named after Avraham? Avraham by Stom, we know actually pleaded with Hashem. If there are 10 people in the safe, there are five people in the safe, there are two people in the safe, whatever. And he goes down and down until finally Hashem's like, you know what, I can't deal with this anymore. I have to destroy Stom. But Avraham really tried and pleaded with Hashem to save Stom, whereas Noah didn't seem to do that. And Noah kind of just gave up on his generation. The connection between the Haftorah and the Parsha is pretty simple. The Haftorah is talking about people who decided to make a difference. They pleaded with God. They pleaded with their people to be better or people that didn't plead with their people to be better, such as Noah. And they're actually blamed for the failure. The same goes for people who actually instigate rebellion and instigate idolatry against Hashem. You just see that the person, the single person can have such a great effect, either for bad or for good, as we see with Avram or with Noah, or the person who causes this Irhani Da'achas to happen. And I think it's a simple message. We have to realize the power that we have in our hands in order to do good and to do bad. Have a great Shabbos. Hey, good Shabbos, everyone. This week's Parsha is Parshas Re'eh. And I wanted to just send out a quick short Dvar Torah about Yerhani Dachas, which comes up in the 14th chapter of Deuteronomy. The Yerhani Dachas is a wayward city. And the halacha tells us that when an Irani Dachas happens, when there's a city that serves idolatry and all of its members serve idolatry, we actually have to kill that entire city. And the person who started and instigated this Irhani Dachas actually has to die. We're even allowed to kill this person who tries instigating idolatry in a city well before he even does anything. The reason we have this din, this halacha, is because one person can make a tremendous impact on many people as we see by Irani Dachas. So what we do is we have to kill him to stop him from doing such a thing. In this week's Torah in Yeshaya 54 and 55, we're told about the future desolation of Yerushalayim. Hashem promises the Jews that he's never going to bring the main Noach again. 
And many Mepharshim raise the question, which is, why is it called the Mei Noach? Why isn't it called the Mabel or, you know, the Mei Rishayim, the waters of the Rishayim? It's called the waters of Noach. Noach definitely wasn't the one that brought the, the waters of the Mabel. So why is it referenced as him? So many Mepharshim bring down that by Noach, Noach didn't stop the Mabel from happening, and he's heavily criticized for that. And because he didn't stop the Mabel from happening, it's as if he almost caused the Mabel itself. By Avraham, it's not called by Stome, the Ish Avraham. It's just called the Ish Stome. It's the fire of Stome. It's not called the fire of Avraham, though, that's for sure. And the question is, why by Avraham is it not named after Avraham? Avraham by Stome, we know actually pleaded with Hashem. If there are 10 people in the safe, there are five people in the safe, there are two people in the safe, whatever. And he goes down and down until finally Hashem's like, you know what, I can't deal with this anymore. I have to destroy Stome. But Avraham really tried and pleaded with Hashem to save Stome, whereas Noah didn't seem to do that. And Noah kind of just gave up on his generation. The connection between the Haftorah and the Parsha is pretty simple. The Haftorah is talking about people who decided to make a difference. They pleaded with God. They pleaded with their people to be better or people that didn't plead with their people to be better, such as Noah. And they're actually blamed for the failure. The same goes for people who actually instigate rebellion and instigate idolatry against Hashem. You just see that the person, the single person can have such a great effect, either for bad or for good, as we see with Avram or with Noah, or the person who causes this irhanidachas to happen. And I think it's a simple message. We have to realize the power that we have in our hands in order to do good and to do bad. Have a great Shabbos. Hey, good Shabbos. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Dvarim. I heard this by Rabbi David Foreman, and he quotes the Mahara. So everything from here is pretty much from the Mahara. In this week's Parsha, Moshe is going to give a Musr Shmus to the Jewish people. That's essentially what Dvarim is. He's telling the Jewish people, you failed here, you failed there. You complained here, you complained there. You sent the spies and... Essentially, he rebukes the people, and so Moshe rebukes the people at one point in time. And he says that you guys, by the Miraglim, said that we want to go back to Egypt, and you had a lack of Amuna in Hashem. So what is Amuna, and what is this piece of Amuna that the Jews are lacking, and why are they lacking it? Amuna could translate into a few different things, but we see the main translation of Amuna by Aaron and Chor. When Aaron and Chor lift up Moshe's hands, the word Amuna is used there, that they were Amuna in lifting up Hashem's, in lifting up Moshe's hands. And we see the translation of Amuna there literally translates to steadfast, that they were holding Moshe's arms in a steadfast manner, never letting go. And Amuna could basically be translated as this. When you have Amuna in someone, in a partner or in someone you love, you are steadfast with them, and no matter how great the challenge, you are always with them, no matter the circumstance. In order to have a Muna, there actually needs to be some means that you see in your beloved in order to actually have those grounds to have faith in them, to have this steadfast trustworthiness in them. There are three pillars that are outlined by the Maharal, three times that in the Exodus story, the word Amuna comes up, and each time shows us a different relationship that we build with Hashem. And the first time comes up when Moshe comes to Egypt. Moshe comes to Egypt and he pulls out these three signs, one out of his chest, the blood and the snake. And he says that Hashem feels your empathy. He is empathizing with you. He feels your pain. And he understands that you guys are having a tough time. 
the next time it comes up, Amuna, and it says that they had Amuna and Moshe, they trusted Moshe that what he was saying was true. And the next time Amuna comes up is, you would have assumed by the Yamsuf, after Yamsuf, they say, that the Jews believed in Moshe and Hashem after the splitting of the sea, after all the plagues, Hashem showed his power to them. The last time that Amuna comes up in the Exodus story is by Har Sinai, by the giving of the Torah. And that showed Hashem's ability to connect us on this world. Most of the Torah is, in fact, having to do with mitzvahs related to physical things in our world. We know in Daphne and Testament Bays of Baba Metziah, it says, Alo that the Torah is in this world. Hashem showed His ability to connect us, His understanding of us as human beings in this world. Each of these three times symbolized a new type of relationship we built with Hashem. The first time when Moshe came to the Jews, and Hashem said, I see your suffering, that showed Hashem's empathy toward us. The next time Emunah comes up is by the splitting of the sea. It demonstrates this power. Not only do I empathize with you, Hashem says, but I have the power to save you. Not only do I feel your pain, but I'm going to free you of that pain. And then the third time it comes up is that ability that Hashem has to connect to us by Har Sinai, giving us the Torah, the Torah which we connect to Hashem through, the ability that we could talk to Hashem through, the ability that Hashem actually understands what's going on in our world, on our plane, on our level. This ability to empathize, the fact that He has the power to free us of the pain, and the last point is the understanding of us as human beings, was the catalyst for the Jews to build a relationship with God in such a fast manner. Now the Jews at the sin of the Miraglim say, Hashem, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to Egypt because you have failed us by taking us out of Egypt, and it would have been better had you not taken us out. How did the Jews possibly say such a thing? They're at the closest point in Jewish history we've ever been to God, and they say a line like that, demonstrating their lack of amuna. What did they do? The Jews were afraid that they were losing themselves to Hashem. They were afraid that they were losing their sense of self, their identity as a nation, as a Jewish people, when they got so close to God. When you get so close to someone, you feel a loss of self to them. And that's what their Jews were feeling at this time. They didn't want that loss of self, and so they were afraid to take that next step. And they decided, we are going to crush this pillar. So they say, Hashem, it would have been better had you not taken us out of Egypt. It would have been better had you not empathized with us. It would have been better had you not showed us your understanding and your power. Because we don't want this relationship. We don't want that loss of self. And Muna is having this loss of self to a greater power to God. And that's what the Jews failed to do. Have a great job.